we're going to look at perhaps the most famous giant in Welsh folklore and try and trace the evolution of this monstrous figure back into the earlier medieval period. So we're going to go back and take a look at the manuscript that was written by Sean David Rhys back around the turn of the 1600s. And of course, Peniarth Manuscript 118. I think there is a translation of it on Sacred Texts website, I think, I'm not sure. But anyway, there is also a very good translation in the Cymru Darion by Hu Owen, prepared back in 1917. And of course, this manuscript takes a look at all of the Welsh giants and giantesses and witches that Sean David Rhys is aware of at the turn of the 1600s. He doesn't name all of them by any stretch of the imagination, but he does touch on most of the major figures. And one of the giants that he mentions is, of course, the infamous Rita or Rica Gaur. And in the land of Merioneth, or Merioneth also, and close to Penaran in Penllyn, so this is sort of the middle portion of North Wales now, and under the place called Bulchagrois, which is of course just to the east of Dolgelle, is a grave of great dimensions where they say Lita, or Rita, or Rica, or Rithonwy, or Yotogaur was buried. Now, the first thing to pay attention to there is all of these different variations to the name. Now, it's quite likely that the original name was Rita and all of the others are variations or misreadings of the name written down. Rica, for example, is probably due to a misreading of the letter T in medieval Welsh manuscript. Rita written in medieval Welsh manuscript, would appear very similar to Rica, the T and the C being very similar. But anyway, I digress. What's essentially being described here is a massive cairn somewhere in the Bulchagrois region, somewhere on the road between Dolgelle and Dinasmaudwy in the east. It's, this is a high pass. It's one of the steepest uh, hills in Wales, actually. And there was clearly some huge ancient cairn here where Rita Gaur was buried, whose body some of the tribe of the giants removed from Eruri, from Snowdonia, to somewhere near Mynydd Aranvawr in Penllyn. This Rica, or Rita Gaur, was the one with whom Arthur, King Arthur now, had fought and had killed in Eruri. And this giant made this for himself, a robe of the beards of the kings he had killed. And he sent to Arthur to order him to cut off his own beard and send it to him. And as Arthur was the chief of the kings, he would place his beard above the other beards as an honour to Arthur. So, of course, the only honour Rita Gaur is willing to show Arthur is the fact that he will place his beard higher than all the other beards he's ripped off the faces of Welsh kings. 
And if he would not do that, he begged Arthur to come and fight him. And the victorious of them to make a robe from the other's beard. And after they went to fight, Arthur had the victory, and he took the giant's beard and his robe of beards, made uh, from killing other Welsh kings. Ito Gaur, which is of course another name for Rita, said he never met a second man as brave as that giant. Now this is a bit confused. I think what this means is that there may have been another giant. Or Sean David Rhys is mistaken, and what he actually means is Rita Gaur talking about Arthur. So Rita Gaur said he never met a second man as brave as Arthur. And when Arthur had got that victory in the second watch of the night, they came. And then, unfortunately, the manuscript isn't clear enough for us to see what the rest of the story means. So once again, we have a giant connected with a burial mound, perhaps a Neolithic burial mound or a Bronze Age burial mound. It's not clear to us. It's not clear either which Neolithic or Bronze Age monument is being referred to here. There are several in that area. There are several likely candidates that we could point to. But I think the important notion here is that Sean David Rhys is recording the story of a giant who was killed in Snowdonia, in Eruri, and who was moved by his uh, giant kin to be buried somewhere around the Bulchagroes region, and he was killed by King Arthur. Now, this is a very old piece of Welsh folklore. We have evidence for it in another uh, early manuscript, this time by the famous Geoffrey of Monmouth in his History of the Kings of Britain uh, that he wrote around 1136. While discussing the history of Arthur, Geoffrey tells us this. Arthur said that he had not come into contact with anyone so strong since the time he killed the giant Retho on Mount Arveus. Now, Retho is almost certainly Anglo-Norman rendering of Rita. Geoffrey of Monmouth, of course, was in the habit of simplifying Welsh names, such as Murthin, turning into Merlin, etc., etc. So it's not surprising that Geoffrey has this attitude to Welsh names, simplifying them for his Anglo-Norman audience. After the latter, after Retho, had challenged Arthur to single combat, Retho had made himself a fur cloak from the beards of the kings whom he had slain. He sent a message to Arthur, telling him to rip his own beard off his face, and when it was torn off, send it to him, since Arthur was more distinguished than any of the other kings. Retho promised in his honour to sew his beard higher up the cloak than the others. If Arthur would not do this, then Retho challenged him to a duel saying that whoever proved the stronger should have the fur cloak as a trophy, and also the beard of the man he had beaten. Soon after the battle began, Arthur was victorious. He took the giant's beard and the trophy too. From that day on, as he had just said, he had met nobody stronger than Retho. So, 1136, we have pretty much the same story which is a strong piece of evidence 
that supports the idea that Welsh folk culture was very conservative. Sean David Rhys writes his version of the story down 464 years later, suggesting that 464 years, this story has been preserved in quite a durable form in the Welsh oral tradition. As you can see, it's almost identical uh, in terms of its narrative. Now, of course, Sean David Rhys could well have been drawing on the story preserved by Geoffrey of Monmouth. That might be the case. Although it's also quite likely that he was simply re relating a piece of folklore from his area. The rest of the manuscript is really a collection of folklore with only a few allusions to other historical sources, other uh, historical written sources, that is. Now, Sean David Fries was clearly very interested in the great giants of Wales, not just because it was of antiquarian interest to him, but probably because they were quite popular figures in Welsh folk culture. And of course, we can trace this idea of a giant and the special beard of a giant or the relationship between giants and beards, at least. We can trace this all the way back to the story of Cilloch and Dalwen, uh, one of the great Welsh prose classics, probably written down sometime in the 11th or 12th century, certainly contains far older material still. So we can see that this connection between giants and beards that we're going to look at now is actually very, very old. So in Cilwch and Dalwen, we have the figure Aspadaden Benkaur, Aspadaden, the chief of giants. And of course, in the story, the giant Aspadaden is setting out these many tasks, these many great feats that must be accomplished by the heroes of the story. And Aspadaden lists this long string of tasks. These are a few of them. Though you may get that, there is something you will not get. I must wash my head and shave my beard. I want the tusk of a Skitherwin, pen by, the chief of boars, to shave with. It will be no use to me unless it is pulled from his head while he's alive. And then, though you may get that, there is something you will not get. So another task now, another feat. I must dress my beard to be shaved. It will never straighten out until you get the blood of the very black witch, daughter of the very white witch, from Penant Govid in the uplands of hell, in the far north, essentially. So a very gruesome uh, task there to kill a witch and drain her blood so that the great giant can use that blood to treat his beard, to comb his beard before it is cut or shaved with the the tusk of a boar, a tusk that's been literally ripped out of the head of a boar while the boar is still alive. Lovely gruesome stuff there, uh, as we often find in medieval literature, of course. So there's clearly a special relationship between giants and beards here. And not just giants and beards, but the notion of a ceremonial cutting of beards. The beard is something which represents high status. Very often in Welsh prose classics, we'll hear the refrain, shame on my beard. We hear it quite a lot in Cilwch and Alwen. Shame on my beard if I don't do so and so. 
So the beard is something that can be shamed, yes? So shaving the beard, the ceremonial shaving of a beard, is something which is obviously of some ceremonial significance in all ancient Welsh society, something that has something to do with shame and honour. Now, the taking of a beard, the taking of your enemy's beard, is, of course taking a trophy as proof of dominance. So whereas Rita Gaur would prove his dominance over the Welsh kings and ultimately Arthur by stealing their beards, instead the great King Arthur proves his dominance by not only killing Rita Gaur but also taking the beard. So this notion of the beard as a trophy to shame your enemy that the beard is somehow aspect of your physical person which relates to honour. Obviously, it relates to physical maturity. It's obviously something that's related to machismo and masculine strength and power. So we can understand the sociological reasons behind this. But it also suggests that one of the ancient features of Brythonic culture of perhaps Iron Age Celtic culture was perhaps the magical properties of beards. That stealing the beard was perhaps akin to stealing your enemy's power. That stealing the beard was perhaps like stealing the head. We know that various cults of the head were also popular amongst various of the Celts. Perhaps the head was uh, where the soul resided or the spirit resided. Perhaps this is where the life force resided and that taking the head was in some way taking the life force of your enemy. The beard perhaps may have had a similar function in Brythonic belief. It's difficult to say. The other aspect of this mythology, of course, is the idea of the giants being associated with ancient stone monuments. And later folklore suggests that Rita was not only associated with a grave in Bulchagroes, but was also associated with a grave on Rwydva. Now, John Rhys, John Rhys in his classic Celtic folklore, mentions... A little piece of interesting local knowledge here. A local to Eruri, to Snowdonia, is overheard calling the highest mountain in Snowdonia Gwydva Rita. Rita's cairn, a Gwydva there, uh, is the Welsh word for a cairn or a burial mound. Now this, of course, is the name for Erwydva, the highest mountain in Wales which the English call Snowdon, of course. And at the minute, there is a fair amount of discourse on whether Arwydva should simply be called Arwydva, out of respect for uh, the Welsh language and Welsh culture, and whether we should set aside the English name of uh, Snowdon. Of course, Arwydva is far more meaningful in historical terms because it relates to this legend regarding Rita Gaur and Arthur and this very ancient idea of giants and their uh, trophy beards. So it's a very important 
part of Welsh culture that's attached to this mountain's name. Now, of course, there isn't a cairn on top of Rwydfa. All there is is uh, a modern uh, construction and some steps, and there's, of course, a cafe as well by today. There may well have been cairns on top of Rwydfa. There are certainly many, many cairns on the peaks of the mountains surrounding Rwydfa. But the cairn has been destroyed or has been taken down or perhaps has been used to perhaps build a railway, perhaps, or to build buildings with. We don't know. I'm not casting nasturtiums here. But something's happened to the cairns that were clearly on top of Rwydfa. And that people knew as the burial places of these giants. So the giants, once again, essentially embodying this this very ancient personality. The ancients were seen as great giants. They were seen as all-powerful noblemen and women who were responsible for moving these great stones across the Welsh landscape. 